On today's episode of District Divided, the Washington football team's season is over. But did they find themselves a franchise quarterback in the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I make the case for Taylor Heineke to be the day one starter next season for the team. We then get into the State of the Union where we talk about the Washington Spirit, the Washington Wizards, the Georgetown Hoyas, and the Maryland Terrapins. And then we conclude with an interview with NHL expert and diehard fan Matt Regan, who breaks down the Caps as well as the rest of the NHL season coming up, which started yesterday. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. The Washington football team fell to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs in the wildcard round specifically by a score of 31 to 23. The season is now over, but we can hold our heads high. They exceeded expectations tremendously. We were supposed to finish in third place, maybe fourth place. Instead, how about a division title in Ron Rivera's first ever season as head coach? How about getting to go toe-to-toe with the GOAT, Tom Brady, in the playoffs? Fantastic season when you consider the expectations going into it for your Washington football team. So hats off to everyone involved in this process. And it's now off-season time for this team. And our first-round draft pick position is now set in stone at pick 19 out of 32. The game is now in the distant past. And with no future game this season for our team, all I'm going to do is give out game balls. I'm not really going to recap the game. Just going to give out game balls, one on defense and one on offense. The game ball on defense, that has to go to Deron Payne. One of the members of the Maroon Four, as they were dubbed this past Saturday night on NBC. The headlines entering the game were all about Chase Young wanting Tom Brady, but it was Deron Payne that got to him more. He sacked Tom Brady twice and forced a beautiful fumble that we ended up recovering, creating a turnover all on his own by punching the ball out of the running back's hands. Amazing game from Deron Payne on a day where Tom Brady was picking our secondary apart and got fantastic protection throughout the game. It was Deron Payne that did what he needed to do and then some. He was excellent. Well done, Deron Payne. Game ball to you. The game ball on offense, that goes to Taylor Heineke, quarterback. With no run game support and little support on defense, again, Tom Brady was picking that secondary apart. It was fully on him to win this game for us. It came out hours before the game that Alex Smith was going to be inactive and that it was going to be Taylor Heineke that was playing. And the expectations were low. There was cautious optimism because we had seen what he did in the Carolina game, but that was garbage time. This is different. He's now playing one of the best defenses in the NFL. He's now going against one of the best teams in the NFL. A lot of people have the Bucs making a Super Bowl run. And he went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. 
it didn't help that he also had at least five drops by his receivers, and that's been a theme throughout the season for the Washington football team. Heineke finished the game 26 for 44 for 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but also led the team in rushing with 46 yards on six carries, including a spectacular touchdown run where he escaped a couple different sacks and then dove for the pylon to put six on the board for us. This was one of those games where you look at his numbers and you go, okay, so what? 26 of 44. It's a lot of incompletions. 306 yards. Good. That's pretty good. One touchdown, one pick. Eh. Rushing touchdown. Cool. You had to see it to understand it. He stole the show on Saturday night. People were talking much more about Taylor Heineke than they were Tom Brady. Part of it is expectation setting. The other part was he was just a baller. There is something about Taylor Heineke. He has an ability to extend the play, to create something out of nothing. And he was taking shots, good shots down the field. By my count, out of those 44 passes, only one, maybe two, got away from him. Other than that, he did what he needed to do. But overall, to me, he was spectacular. It was a performance, according to Pro Football Focus, that we hadn't seen in nearly 14 years. PFF gave him a grade of 92, which was the highest grade for a Washington quarterback in nearly 14 years. Now think about that for a second. That's beyond all of RG3's rookie year where he won rookie of the year. And that also includes Kirk Cousins' time here, and he had some great games for us. Additionally, that grade of 92 by PFF led all quarterbacks in the wildcard round. What he did was play winning football. The problem was that Brady finished second with a 90.8 grade. So you can see that it was an issue because the defense just didn't play very well. The Tampa Bay defense played better than our defense, resulting in their victory. But moving forward on that performance, you have to, at the very least, bring Heineke back on the team next season. And the next question is, well, where on the depth chart is he? Should he start? Should he be a backup? What should we do with him? We have a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of analysts saying, no, he should not start. He should be on the team, but he should not start. I don't care. I say he should start. He's a free agent, which complicates things a bit here, but we have to bring him back. I'm not even saying give him a huge deal, not like 20, 30 million dollars a year, because again, it was just one game. But you can't watch that game and think, this guy should not at least have a shot at starting. I think he has to. Sign him for one or two years. See what you have. Because it would be absolutely ridiculous, again, to not give him a chance after that performance against a very good Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Teddy Bridgewater is the 19th highest paid starting quarterback out of 32. And he's making $21.6 million a year. And there are at least 10 other starting quarterbacks that are on their rookie deal right now, making between five and nine million a year, but they would certainly be making more than Teddy Bridgewater. I'm talking about Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, those types of players. Justin Herbert had an excellent year this year. Joe Burrow 
was excellent until he got hurt. All those guys are going to be making more than Teddy Bridgewater. Cutting Alex Smith would save the team $13.8 million against the cap next season. Keeping him would cost us $24.4 million. It sounds like a lot, and the reality is, yes, $24.4 million is a lot, but in the quarterback market, it's about average. Again, Teddy Bridgewater, 19th highest paid starting QB out at 32, making 21.6. Alex Smith would be at 24.4. It's what you pay for quarterback. Taylor Heineke's current deal that he signed was one year $910,000, less than a million. I say cut Alex Smith, who thank you for everything. He finished five and one as a starter. Rehab amazing. He's going to be comeback player of the year. But he's older now. He's not going to be the future of this team. Heineke has a shot at being the future of this team. So cut Alex Smith and save that $13.8 million against the cap and give Taylor Heineke a one-year $10 million deal next season. You think he'd say no to that? You think he'd say no to getting 10 times what he just made to stay in the same system that saw him draw rave reviews across the league for his performance? And if you're on the flip side, if you're feeling nauseous about that deal going, $10 million? Are you kidding me? Here's that deal with context. Again, you'd be getting the 20th highest paid quarterback, which is very affordable, relatively speaking. And you just saved about $4 million against the cap by cutting Alex Smith with the goal of seeing if he's good enough to be the starting quarterback for this team moving forward. If he can be the franchise guy, you could do it for negative $4 million. The best case scenario is that he is. And you got to pay him more the next offseason. Then maybe we're talking about the 20 to 30 million a year. The worst case is he isn't. But you figure that out on a team friendly deal that both parties will love. And you can draft one in 2022 where he will have a very tough schedule, a first place schedule. And him not being the franchise guy. Well, that very likely means a losing season. And I'm not talking about one where we win the division at seven and nine. I'm talking a very, very bad year. Could easily see 4-12, and 5-11, and 6-10, and 10, that type of season. And that would mean likely picking in the top 10 in 2022. So find that quarterback in next year's draft if it does not end up being Taylor Heineke. Because the likelihood of getting our future franchise quarterback at pick 19 this year, well, that's low. Very low. This is the way forward for this team. Sign Heineke to a short-term deal, give him some money, and let's see what we got. The only exception is if you can get a deal done to bring Matthew Stafford, a proven, legit starting quarterback in this league that has been the victim of very badly constructed Detroit Lions teams, to Washington, and we somehow give up very little. But I don't see that happening. Since that is the only exception and it will not be happening, Taylor Heineke must be around next season, and I'd give him the starting job with Kyle Allen as the backup, who also showed some promise this season. And then you can bring in a mid to late round quarterback from this year's draft that you believe in. Taylor Heineke showed us something special this past Saturday night, and we would be crazy to let that go. 
That's going to conclude my thoughts on the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke. We're now going to jump into the State of the Union, where we talk about the Spirit, Wizards, Terps, and Hoyas. I normally begin this segment with the Washington Wizards, but today we begin with the Washington Spirit. The NWSL draft was last night, and entering the draft, we had four picks. Pick two, pick 19, pick 29, and pick 39. 40 overall picks, we had those four. And with the second overall pick, we took forward Trinity Rodman. And you may be wondering if she's related to NBA legend Dennis Rodman. And she is. Dennis is her dad. But she is a certified baller in her own right, and she's going to be making her own name here in D.C. The youngest player ever to be taken in the NWSL draft, Trinity Rodman. She is just 18 years old, but she is a stud and completely worthy of being the second overall pick. She played for the U-20 U.S. Women's National Team in the 2020 CONCACAF U-20 Women's Championship last March where she got nine goals and six assists, including two goals in the championship game against Mexico. Baller, stud, can't wait to see her put on a Washington Spirit uniform. Welcome to DC, Trinity Rodman. And did I say four picks? We ended up with five. Sky Blue FC traded the eighth overall pick in the draft to us for $100,000 in allocation money and a 2022 second round pick. And with this pick, we took USC forward Tara Mickeyone. So we end up with two top 10 picks and two forwards with those picks being aggressive up top. Our other three picks in order were Anna Halferty, forward from Boston University at pick 19, Sydney Schneider, goalkeeper from UNC Wilmington at pick 29, and Mariana Speckmeyer, forward from Clemson at pick 39. Four out of our five picks were forwards. I wonder what Richie Burke wanted, head coach for the Spirit. Turns out, a more aggressive front line. Got your answer with these draft picks. And on the Sidney Schneider pick, the goalkeeper from UNC Wilmington spoke to Maura Duffy, member of the Spirit Squadron and former guest here on District Divided, and she loves this pick. The Olympics are this summer. Aubrey Bledsoe could get called up to the U.S. Women's National Team, and Jamaica, Schneider's team, are not in the Olympics, so she could provide cover for us during the season. The U.S. Women's National Team have their first of two games against Colombia this Monday, Colombia, and Spirit players Emily Sonnet, Kelly O'Hara, Andy Sullivan, and Aubrey Bledsoe are all there. Let's see if any of them will play in this first game against Colombia. The game is 7 p.m. on Monday, and it can be seen on FS1. Now, let's get to the hardwood and the Washington Wizards. A bad week for them. Let's start with the injuries. Thomas Bryant has been lost for the season with a torn ACL, and Russell Westbrook is going to actually be out for three to four weeks instead of just the one week that was initially reported. Oh yeah, and we played some games. One and two this past week. A 116-107 loss to the Boston Celtics. 128-124 loss to the Miami Heat, but then a 128-107 win over the Phoenix Suns. We were up by over 30 points in this one. Davis Bertans came to play, hitting six threes in the game and started five for five from long range. And Bradley Beal had himself a day, but he always does. 34 points, eight rebounds and nine assists, almost a triple-double, even closer to a double-double. We were supposed to play the Utah Jazz yesterday, but that game never happened. 
postponed due to COVID, and the same thing happened against the Detroit Pistons. That game was supposed to be tomorrow. Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner both have been in the COVID protocol, causing these games to be postponed. This week, back-to-back against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Sunday at 2 p.m., Monday at 2 p.m., remember, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and Wednesday at 7 p.m. at the Charlotte Hornets. All games can be seen on NBC Sports Washington, and that's if they happen. We'll see if there are more postponements because of the Wizards' COVID protocol. From pro to college, the Georgetown Hoyas, they had been playing very badly, and nothing like a game against longtime rival Syracuse to change the energy, but we lost. A 74-69 loss to Syracuse. Seniors Javon Blair and Jamarco Pickett led the way. Javon Blair had a double-double with 16 points and 10 assists. Jamarco Pickett led the team with 17 points and 9 rebounds. The team was supposed to play DePaul yesterday, a winnable game for them, but that game got postponed due to COVID. Up next this week, two games. Saturday at 12 p.m. at Providence. Providence is on a three-game losing streak, so it's winnable. And then Wednesday at 7 p.m. at Marquette. Both games can be seen on FS1, but like the Wizards, we'll see if any of those games get postponed due to COVID. And now to Maryland. Only one game last week, but it was a big one. And a big win. A 66-63 road win against number 12 Illinois. Now number 14 Illinois. Thanks to that Maryland victory. Daryl Morcel with 19 points to lead the way for the Terps in this one. Illinois actually had a decent look at a three to tie the game at the buzzer, but it did not go down. Maryland desperately needed that win, and they got it. Up next this week, two games. Tomorrow at 12 p.m. against Wingate. That game can be seen on BTN+. And then Tuesday at number 7 Michigan. That game can be seen on FS1. Maryland lost the first game against Michigan. Let's see if they can exact revenge against a team on an 11-game winning streak. Wow. Speaking of Michigan, it's time to talk some hockey with Michigan alum and NHL expert Matt Regan. The Washington Capitals are back in action tonight. Hockey is back, and I am here with Matt Regan, who's going to break down the NHL and our hometown Washington Capitals. Matt, how are you doing today? Great, man. Thanks for having me on the pod. Dude, thanks for being on. Matt is a diehard hockey fan, knows everything about the league, so excited to get into it with you, brother. Um, As I said, hockey season is finally back, but this time there are only 56 games. They're not the 82 we're accustomed to. What other changes can you tell us about for this coming season? Yeah, uh, obviously due to the coronavirus, uh, NHL has been forced into some major division realignments. Um, the biggest uh, driving factor of this is that Canada and U.S. border crossings are you know, not really that easy these days. So uh, there's a only Canada division. And because of that, um, they just made three divisions in the U.S. based. And you're only going to play teams within your division. So uh, the Caps have, are in a division of eight. They're going to play their seven other opponents eight times. Um, so 56 games, only got seven opponents. And the other difference there is that you're going to kind of see um, kind of a baseball style where you travel into town play two, three games, uh, and then get out. So it's not like you're hopping around different cities. Um, and that's to reduce travel, obviously. So um, that's the biggest change. Um, it's a little disappointing, I think, for fans not to see all the different teams, but um, that's probably the biggest change you're about to see. Okay, nice. So it sounds like they're going to be a bunch of little playoff series, if you will, during the regular season, yeah? Exactly, exactly. So to start the series tonight, uh, playing Buffalo, and then tomorrow night we play Buffalo again, both in Buffalo. 
Nice, nice. Okay, and as you said, the Caps are in that realigned division, that East division with seven other teams. They are the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, who we love so much. And we'll play each of them eight times. How do you think the Caps are going to fare in this shortened season? So the Caps are in by far and away the, the, the best division in, in the NHL. I would say if you had ranked teams 1 through 31, you would probably put um, Boston, Philly, the Caps, Islanders, Pitt, and maybe even the Rangers all within the top 16. Um, and so just, you know, while I think the Caps are a very, very strong team again this year, making the playoffs I don't think is a certainty just because how strong the division is. Um, it's it's similar, you know, the Metro is already, I think, the best division in hockey, um, and then you add in Boston to that as well. So um, it's going to be tough. Uh, how I see them fitting in with that, I would say that um, – I, I personally think Boston is is the best team. They've lost Tory Krug. Uh, shout out Livonia, Michigan. Shout out Churchill High School. Uh, <laughs> but um, and they lost to Zane Charo, and we can talk about that in a second. Um, but I still think the best team with that core of Marshawn, Bergeron, uh, Pasternak, um, Krejci, and Tuka Raskinet. Um, after that, I think Philly, um, and I think Philly is the closest to them being uh, the second best team in, in the division um, with the emergence of Carter Hart as an elite goaltender in the league, and then just that depth forward up top and then you have uh provarov in the back line um so it's very good after that i see the caps fitting in in the third to sixth best team with um their familiar foe in the pittsburgh penguins and the new york um islanders who knocked them out of the playoffs last year with barry trot so i think they will be a playoff team i still think they're very elite um but the division is just so brutal um once we do get in the, into the playoffs it's there's no conferences um the division kind of goes in the playoffs just the top four and then one will play four two will play three the winners of those two will play each other and then the winner of each division will go and play in like a a playoff semifinal. so that's also a different um you know playoff format per se uh that that fans can expect okay nice and would you so is the playoff format the same as it's always been or is that also has that also been affected no so so, so that's that has been affected so previously um you know, you had your Eastern Conference and your Western Conference. That no longer is a thing. It's just four separate divisions. Um, and then, you know, in the East, it would be the top three from each division and then two wild cards. Um, the wild card spots are gone. It's just the top four. And then you don't intermix within the divisions. Although that was pretty similar to how things were already done. So, um, yeah, no wild cards. You just got to be top four. Unfortunately for the Caps, um, you're in such a tough division that top four is, is probably the hardest to make in, in their division out of, an, out of any of the four. Right, right. Okay. And that makes sense. So as you said, Boston, Philadelphia seem to be the top two teams and we just need to finish in the top four. What are, what is the main strength of the team? What do we need to rely on in order to get into that top four, Matt? So, I mean, the Caps, you know, there weren't many major moves in terms of their strengths. Um, I would say, you know, their strengths are still going to be what they've been for the past eight years. And that's their top six forwards with Ovi, Backstrom, uh, Kuznetsov, uh, you saw Vrana make a big jump next year. Obviously, TJ Oshie, and, and we can talk about him. It might be his final year in in Washington. That's a bit of a bit of a hot take, but um, yeah, I think uh, you know he's still a, a great player. And then um, don't forget about Tom Wilson. So their top six fours are still their strength. You could put them against the top six anywhere across the league. I think that they would you know stack up well there. Um, and then you, you could also say that they're top four defensemen. Um, still John Carlson, Norris finalist, 
um, puts up tons of points, runs a good power play. Um, they signed Justin Schultz from the Pens, who um, it's crazy. He's had an unbelievable career in that he was cut from like the worst Edmonton Oilers teams, and now he's um, kind of resurrected his career in Pittsburgh and signed a pretty good ticket here in, in Washington. So I think a good addition there. Resigned Brendan Dillon um, and still have Dmitry Orlov. So it's a good top four um, on the back line. Um, so I would just say that's a very good footing to have um, for any team. So um, it's kind of been the same strength they've had, you know, in the past eight years or so, um, in probably a little bit stronger uh, blue line than than Caps fans are used to. Okay, and what about some of those weaknesses? What could CSB outside of that top four and missing the playoffs? Um, so, so there's two that really stand out, uh, and the first would would be in 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 goal. So. I don't necessarily know it's a weakness. It's more of just an unknown at this point. Caps fans are used to seeing uh, Brayden Holtby between the pipes. It's been that way since, I want to say, 2012. Um, it's been a while, yeah. And he left uh, to go sign for Vancouver. I don't necessarily know it's going to be worse than last year. Brayden Holtby was not, did not have a great season. So um, I think everyone kind of saw the parting of him. Um, signed a you know two-year deal in Vancouver. I think Vancouver's happy. I think Brayden Holtby's kind of ready for a new you know you change of scenery um however you, you know you're going into your season with Ilya Samsonov as your starter he's 23 years old he's got one year of NHL experience and 22 starts so I don't necessarily know if it's a weakness but it's definitely an unknown and and um I think to combat that the Caps tried to bring in Henrik Lundqvist uh who is as good of a you know pedigree as there is however he needed uh, to have heart surgery and isn't going to be playing this year. So um, there's not really a veteran presence back there. They signed Craig Anderson, um, who is is quite a bit past his his best playing days. Um, and I think he's just going to be part of the taxi squad, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, so I believe the backup's going to be Vanacek, who I know very little about, but he has zero career NHL starts. So uh, definitely a lot of question marks uh, between the pipes. And again, not necessarily a weakness, but definitely an unknown. Um, and the other weakness I would say for the Caps, I don't mean to just be really on the Caps here, um, but they are the oldest team in the league. Um, in a shortened season, I don't think that matters as much. Um, you know, and, and I think maybe one of the things that sway the numbers is they did bring in Zidane Chara, who I don't think is going to feature a ton. But I really look at the third line a lot. Um, I th- you know, in, in my opinion, you kind of want you know, a speedier third line, someone that can really provide a lot of grit. And you're running out Lars Eller at center, Carl Haglin, shout out University of Michigan. Um, those guys are 31 and 32. Signed Connor Sheary, who I think is a good signing and provides scoring. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if throughout the season, uh, Peter Laviolette maybe move things around, maybe see Kuznetsov drop down to provide a little bit more depth scoring, and maybe move Connor Sheary up to a top two line. Okay, cool. And again, we got a pretty team-friendly deal on Connor Sheary. I want to say 795000 for the year. And Zadino Char also on a team-friendly deal. Wisdom in a shortened season, Matt, is what we're going for quite clearly. I think it's a great move, honestly. Um, and let's talk about some of that wisdom. Alex Ovechkin is in a contract year. And I want to talk to you about TJ Oshie, too, because you did say you have that hot take that he may be in his last year, too. But on Ovechkin, is there any possibility of him leaving town after the season, or is he certain to retire a cap? Uh, there is no chance he leaves town to go to another NHL team. I think there is a maybe a 5% chance he leaves to go back to the KHL. Um, I don't even know back to the KHL, go back to Russia and play to the KHL for the first time. But um, there's no way he plays for another NHL team. He loves DC. The owners love him. 
I, I think Caps fans would pay him whatever money he wants, you know, $10, $12 million. I think he wants to get the all-time scoring title. I think he's about four to five seasons off of that. Um, but I think he will get that. So by no means is he going to go join a, another NHL team. I just don't see that happening whatsoever, especially because, you know, I know the Caps are old, but I think they'll still be, you know, a cup contender even next year. Um, and maybe not at the top of the, you know, I, I see them in a similar tier next year as they are this year where they're still very good, maybe need a couple moves here and there to put them in the upper echelon, but their windows won't be closed after this year just because of how strong that, that top six is. So I see him staying there. Um, I think he wants a shot at uh, Gretzky's record. I think the Cavs have about 15 million in cap space next year. Um, and then as, as this kind of leads in the TJ Oshie discussion, um, I, I think a lot of things stack up for TJ Oshie to be exposed for the expansion draft in the Seattle, uh, for the Seattle Kraken and uh, for them to take him because um, A, it'd be good marketing on their side. He's a big name that a lot of people know. And, um, you know, his cap hit isn't you know, ridiculous. I think he's at five and a half a year. Um, but it's significant more for the Caps than it is for Seattle to take on. So I'm not saying it's it's a shoe in but I think – you know, as you're kind of looking at who gets exposed and who doesn't, I think TJ Oshie makes a lot of sense. And so how many players are each NHL team capable of not exposing, capable of sort of protecting, if you will, from that expansion draft? Yeah, so um, I'm not 100% sure on the Seattle rules, but based on the Vegas rules, it was um, you're allowed to protect six forwards, 3D, and one goalie. Um, I believe there was an exception where if you kind of mixed around with the numbers a bit, let's say you wanted to protect two uh, goalies, for example, then you could only um, protect nine players total. So it was 10 if you followed those certain positional requirements, but only eight if um, if you kind of mix and match a little bit. So um, with that, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you could say things like Ovechkin. Um, we might not have to protect because he'll be a free agent, but, you know, there's plenty of other players that you protect ahead of Oshi. Um, on that list. Fair enough. No, that's uh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about the expansion team and the expansion draft angle. Uh, totally forgotten about the crack and was so focused on this year. So good insight there, Matt. Now, aside from the Washington Capitals, there are plenty of other teams that are in the NHL, plenty of really, really good teams in the NHL. So besides the Caps, what other teams or players should we look out for? So... It- when it comes to winning it all, I think there are a few marquee members. Um, you're first going to look at the Tampa Bay Lightning to, to repeat. Um, I think they've had the best roster in the league now for three years. Nothing changes too much. Um, the only thing I would say is uh, getting his Kuznets off, arguably their best player with Braden Point, Victor Hedman, um, is going to be out for pretty much the entire regular season. Now, it's not a total disaster because that does save the Lightning from some cap issues they were having, and they can put them on long-term IR. However, uh, he's not going to be there in the regular season. They can bring him back for the playoffs, no cap issues at all. So I still think they are the best team, um, but they do have to work out playing without Sam, or without uh, Kuznetsov. Plenty of firepower for them. They'll still win their division. Uh, they'll still make the playoffs, and then you know we'll see where it goes from there. I would say my personal favorite would be the Colorado Avalanche. Pains me a little bit as a Wings fan to say that, but they are just a super fun team to watch. Ethan McKinnon. Um, up there with Connor McDavid, you know, he's established himself as the clear, you know, I'd say one B in the league behind Connor McDavid. Um, and they added Brandon Saad from Blackhawks, Devin Tays from the Islanders. And, and they were already a very complete team last year. Kale McCarr coming into his second year will be even better. 
Um, they really are just totally end to end. If they had a weakness, it would probably be that their starter is former Caps goalie um, Grubauer, who's not exactly a you know a Vesna finalist, but um, still a great player there. Um, the other team that I really like is the Vegas Knights. Um, had a big offseason signing. Had added the biggest free agent in Alex Petrangelo. We're already a great team. Tons of depth scoring. Um, resigned Robin Lanner, who seems to like really be taking off in Vegas. So they have cap issues. I think they need to find a way to get rid of Mark Andre Fleury, um, and they can you know release some of those cap issues. But um, I, I think they're as deep as anyone. Uh, the other team that I would be interested to watch is is the Buffalo Sabers, and not that I think they're going to win. They're they're in the they're in the Caps division. I don't see them really making news but this is a team that's had jack eichel now he's going in year six he's a top 10 player in the league he's their captain but in all honesty if they don't make the playoffs he's got to be asking for a trade after the season just because he's kind of given everything they've been terrible every year they signed taylor hall in the offseason it's kind of a do or die year and if he doesn't you know if they don't you know at least make the playoffs i could see you know them kind of really blowing up that team Okay, so just to recap, the Tampa Bay Lightning team to look out for, of course, to repeat potentially, got the Colorado Avalanche, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and then the Buffalo Sabres, who will obviously lose the first two games to the Washington Caps, but maybe they'll have a good season after that. Which of those teams would you say is your predicted winner, or is it outside of those four teams? Correct. I I don't think Buffalo will actually be good. I'm just kind of, they're an intriguing team, due to their pieces, but I, I don't predict them actually winning. Um, who is my predicted champion? I'm going to say, you know, the Colorado Avalanche. I think they're finally going to avenge that 2002 game seven, seven, nothing loss to the Detroit Red Wings in the Western conference finals and actually, uh, you know, win, <laughs> win a Stanley cup. Um, <laughs> uh, so I just think that they're totally complete. I think Hill McCarr is going to be the best defenseman in the league, um, within the next three years. Um, and Nathan McKinnon, you know, will continue on his his you know amazing ways. And if they can get Miko Rantanen, if they can get uh, Gabe Landeskog to stay healthy, they are they are as good as anyone. Matt Regan is begrudgingly choosing the Colorado Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup this season. I do remember those Avalanche Red Wing series back in the day. We were younger. Those were epic with Peter Forsberg, Steve Eiserman, Brett Hall, Joe Sackick, Patrick Raw, and the lot. Great great series all the time all through the years how are your red wings looking this year we don't need to talk about the red wings no uh, no <laughs> no no well okay so i think the most exciting thing for the red wings this year uh, is that we might name a captain it's probably going to be uh hometown favorite dylan larkin shout out to the university of michigan um <laughs> but yeah i, I think it's going to be another tough year we finished last in the league um, the season ended with about 15 games left in the season, and we w- were already knocked out of the playoffs. So um, it was a tough year last year. It's going to be another tough year. I like the moves that we're doing. I think we're on the rebuild. I think there's, you know, we're in the middle of the process, but it's going to be another tough year. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if, if we want to make the playoffs if, at, at this point. So um, actually, I take that back. I do want to make the playoffs, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. So um, it's going to be painful. Um, luckily, it's only 56 games. You know, just got to get through that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, but all in all, excited about the year. Um, you know, hopefully fans can get in there. But, you know, there's not going to be any fans for, for a while. Definitely not in D.C. Um, definitely going to be a weird year. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Sounds good. Well, best of luck to your Red Wings. I know they're going through, you know, a bit of a rough patch right now. But they are one of the best franchises in NHL 
history. Matt Regan has joined us once again on District Divided to talk about the Caps and the NHL in great detail. Really appreciate the analysis there. 15 seconds, floor is yours, whatever you want to plug, whatever you want to say. It can be gibberish, doesn't matter. Floor is yours. Go ahead. Well, I just want to give a big shout out to the USA World Junior Team. I know you said hockey just got back, but really we had to give a shout out to our young 17, 18, 19 year olds. Beat Canada in the finals 2 nothing. Big future for USA hockey. So shout out to the USA World Junior Team. Absolutely love it. Matt Regan, thanks again for being on the podcast. All right. Thanks, bud. Once again, Thanks to Matt Regan for coming on the podcast and providing us a deeper dive into the Caps and the NHL. Personally, I was relieved to hear that Alex Ovechkin will never play for another NHL team. I was a bit nervous about that, but he cleared that up for us beautifully. Thanks again to Matt Regan for coming on the podcast. The Caps this week have four games. The one tonight against the Buffalo Sabres at 7 p.m., the season opener for us. And then they play again tomorrow at 7 p.m. against the Buffalo Sabres. We then play the Pittsburgh Penguins twice, once on Sunday at 12 p.m. and then again on Tuesday at 7 p.m. All those games can be seen on NBC Sports Washington, with the exception of the Sunday Penguins game, which will be on national TV on NBC. And that's going to do it here, folks. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please follow it on Twitter and Instagram at District Divided. There's also a Facebook page and group called District Divided. Please like and join respectively. Have a wonderful rest of your week and looking forward to catching you January 21st. There will be a new president and hopefully the world has not been destroyed by then. Once again, I'm your host, Amit Singh. Take it easy and enjoy some Polly Polo. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city.